That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast re-watching and discussing Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice one ultimate minute at a time. We've arrived at minute 85 in the movie. The truth has come out about Kahina Ziri to Senator June Finch, but we'll put a pin in that because with minute 85... We need to meet up with Lois and Secretary Swanwick to spill some long-awaited truths of our own. And for people who are interested in this movie as a mystery, you know, political intrigue, uh, this is going to be a really good minute. Somebody wanted Superman to look guilty. The bullet? The metal was developed by a private company. What company? Lex Corp. Lex Luthor. I love how clandestine spy movie this this entire setup is oh, for yeah. this scene. They're like right by the the Pentagon and in front of the river, and uh, it's, it's rainy. And just the whole plot, like all these threads, are just like all coming apart at the same time between Kahina and then and then here, Swanwick kind of spills the beans to Lois. A lot of heavily structured. Not even plot dump, but just development happening back to back here. When we last saw Lois handed off the bullet to Secretary Swanwick, which was her entire story in this, you know, it starts here with him handing the bullet back to her. We're not surprised, but but it's nice to see that that Swanwick did not think Superman killed all those people and also wanted to find out the truth. And the truth that he found out was it is suspected that what happened in Nairobi was a setup that it was intended as something to frame Superman and paint him in a negative light. That's one fact that is kind of, it was not coincidence that this happened. It was a setup. Two, that the bullet matches metal that is being developed by, I like that he says just a corporation because to him and kind of to us, like who is Lex Luthor anyway, at this point in the story, it's just LexCorp is the company that is experimenting with this metal, which means Lex Luthor was involved potentially like secondhand in the desert setup. Then Swanwick says private military contractors that Lex Luthor has employed or employs were also present. Uh, we know that the CIA, the CIA was, was looking in on it, so that's not surprising. But both of those facts basically tell Lois Lex Luthor almost certainly orchestrated the attack and had his men there with his weapons to carry out the frame-up. Um, and then finally, the last piece of the puzzle is Lois realizes that she was the final piece. She was the bait. Who knows how much of her story surrounding Amajog was all constructed, you know, painstakingly to get her there to basically load the trap for Superman to be caught into it. She realizes this. <laughs> Obviously, Swanwick says, no chance is any of this going public, but you do what you can with it. Yeah. We talked about it a lot in the in the Africa sections for the first section of the movie. The U.S. got caught with our pants down here just as much as Superman did by design from Lex or, or how, however, but because they got caught in a situation where they said they weren't involved, they weren't picking sides, and turns out they were there. They were at the scene, and but they're the only ones that can exonerate Superman, but they won't 
because it means revealing to the international community that they were um, militarily involved in a situation that they had vowed neutrality. Would you believe that Lex would outfit his men with bullets made from Kryptonian metal? Absolutely. I would believe that, (laughs) given everything I've seen of Lex, just to spite him. Yeah. But yeah, that that pretty much locks in. Now Lois understands the entire Nairomi incident, how everything that has spun out of it has been and is being, I guess it is Lex Luthor's will that is now driving the events. Unfortunately, if there was any hope of things slowing down, the the kind of crosscut to Wallace Keefe arriving at the Senate to be interviewed by Soledad O'Brien, saying that the Senate hearing, the big Senate hearing, the, the big show is, is about to get underway, adds just even more terrifying foreboding to this, because as you said before, you're hearing the orchestra build. This is another great example of it. I think we've reached the end of Minute 85. Yeah, well, I had I had some things to say about the uh, all the Washington D.C. stuff. Oh yeah, let's do some architecture talk. <laughs> yeah, I pr- I promise not to fade in music or or just end the episode as you as you break down this scene. Well, we'll see. I think I think you'll like it though. Um, and and I I'll okay. keep it concise. I, I took I took some relatively concise notes, but I was fascinated by this shot. I looked it up, and um and first of all, the shot the way it's constructed. It's fudged a, a bit for artistic purposes. The platform that they're on is, it's actually like a bike path, like a asphalt bike path there. So it's not nearly so like grand sure. spy movie looking. It's, it's, it's uh, a little less, a little more humble looking, but a little less European. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's Potomac Park, which is right near like Arlington Cemetery is behind them. Uh, the Pentagon is right near there. You can see the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument pat just past, um, Arlington bridge is where they are um and i think they actually yeah. enhanced uh, lincoln memorial and washington monument are both bigger as is the bridge in order to give a it's a very surreal kind of painterly effect there that if you're actually sitting there that you can see all the things that are there but they're they're smaller because they're i was trying to figure out, out how how like shallow a lens if you were sitting there how you could make the memorial loom like as if you could hit it with a stone if you threw it. Yeah, exactly. And that's and I'm pretty sure that they just digitally stuck it all together. But for a purpose, I think, because what's really fascinating about that is we were just talking recently with um, the Andrew Jackson. You have a really interesting situation here with um, with Lincoln and Washington. And we're talking about this idea, these ideas of people, men with power. And you look at like George Washington, who is kind of the forefather of the United States. He was the first president, kind of brought freedom to people, but also like he was a slave owner. And that's kind of something that yeah. people can't separate from his legacy. But at the same time, he's the, the first or most notable figure in history to have been, um, had that amount of power. People wanted him to be a king and he walked away from it yeah. to establish the first like peaceful transition of power. That's a, um, People might be listening to this podcast, you know, months or years from now, but very um, iconic time to be talking about this concept. <laughs> Apt. Yeah. Um, it kind of established the, the tradition of the transfer of power. And it was just something that was unknown to the world at the time. And so, so you have someone who's like so notable for his, his respect for the power that he has like that, yet also as a, as a slave owner and, you know, and flawed in other ways as well. And then meanwhile, like you have Abraham Lincoln, who's like speaking of slave owners, conversely, he, signed the Emancipation Proclamation, freed all the slaves, keeping the North and the South together um, through the American Civil War, but through that process also kind of advanced the power of the executive 
more than like any other president in history. Uh, arguably, while maybe the cause was noble, well, not maybe, well, the, <laughs> the, the cause was noble, but um, the there's there's a question of like the method that he in the, uh, the federalist system really d- depends on the separation of powers not just in the like executive branch but also between the states and the federal government and the way that he kind of held the union together very much trampled and set precedent of diminishing the rights that states have and so two clear cut examples of we're talking about like men with power and and the and how good men can do bad things and bad men can g- do good things and how do you kind of rationalize it all which is like fascinating kind of on its own that you have these two towers looming over this conversation. But then also Arlington Bridge is there. It was really interesting reading about this because there's all sorts of insane bureaucracy about how the bridge got built because they knew they needed it. But there was a huge argument about whether or not it should be a memorial bridge um, that lasted like years and years. And then once they finally decided, they couldn't decide what it should be a memorial to. <laughs> um, and that like tied up congress like for a long time to get it built but once they finally got around to doing it it actually connects the lincoln memorial obviously we can see on that one end of it the other end over where lois and swanwick are is where robert e lee's house is the arlington house bringing in another man of conflict you know he led the the south during the civil war but um many people would say in in other ways was also a a good man this is a much more difficult debate to have than abraham lincoln because he's on the flip side of the coin the bridge symbolizes north-south reunification. And so you talk about these like kind of polar opposite sides of like maybe a good man who has fallen and a, and, a, and a good man who is like struggling to know how to appropriately use his power being connected <laughs> via this bridge. And that's right where Lois and Swanwick are having this conversation. And uh, and so, you know, you wonder why is the bridge and and the the memorial and the monument all kind of surreally blown up and positioned outside of the way it would look if you were actually sitting on that spot. And, and you think of all these themes kind of coalescing, and I think it it's uh, really a beautiful kind of symbolism there. There's also statues of horses on top of the bridge, but I don't need to get into those because we don't see them. But there are horses up there. <laughs> well, yeah, it would be hard to apply here because we know that Lois Lane doesn't die. So right. anyway, that will do it for minute 85 of both the movie and our podcast. Uh, that's really cool. I like the idea of, of them being like the viewer is as oblivious to where they are as they are yeah. to where <laughs> where they are in the plot of this movie, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh we're gonna go from this into yeah, minute eighty six we get Wallace Keefe Wallace Oh Keefe? Wallace Vernon Keefe. <laughs> Wallace Keefe, I'll never remember. <laughs> I will never remember that. Uh, He shows up and is talking to Soledad O'Brien, but we are finished talking to each other. We say again, uh, thank you to everybody for for listening, giving us a a thin excuse to talk about this much stuff. But look at this. Even when we take a minute that has like presumably not a ton in it, uh, just talking about it brings out a ton of stuff that we know people listening to it will really dig. And if you are digging what we're doing, uh, it isn't just about Batman v Superman. For, for right now, we are spreading in to the coming Justice League. And honestly, the more we're talking about this movie, the more I'm tempted to like lock in about Man of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> but for now, if you would like to, to show your support for what we're doing other than listening or giving us an iTunes review, you can also find us at patreon.com slash Snyder Minute, where uh, we have some fun bonus stuff coming right now. Right now, there is the 
Rich Citrone, our full interview with the – it feels so wrong to even say stuntman for Batman. So I'll just say Ben Affleck's double yeah. uh, as Batman. Beyond that, please send all of your architecture and U.S. capital just, you know, wrapping to uh, Stephen through us on Twitter at BVS by the Minute or on Facebook at Snyder Minute. I'll just say with um, Minute 85, I, I like the idea of – that we're getting into talking about powerful – powerful men and what men did with power in this story that we're telling, but also very explicitly where the story is set. Mm -hmm. But Stephen, do you know the oldest? Like the U.S. got caught with their pants down just as much as Superman did, um, and they can't talk about any of this at all. Yeah. You want to wait a minute while the water's running? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) That's just the that's the Potomac. Yeah. <laughs>